F. Looking out a dirty old window. Outside the cars in the city go rushing by. I sit here alone and I wonder why. Friday night and everyone's moving. I can feel the heat, but it's soothing heading down. This is Minute 92 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I'm Shannon Camp, your host, and with me today, I have Christy Admiral. Hi there. And Catherine Cogert. Hello. Welcome back, ladies. I'm so excited to have you with me for one last time, one last ride. Uh, I don't know what we're riding, but we're going to ride it to hell and back. Uh, but no, this is actually just a really, really fun minute, uh, and I'm excited to get to talk about it with you guys basically what it boils down to is um it begins with a shot of uh ty and travis in the audience of (coughs) the wedding and travis kisses ty's forehead and actually a little fun fact i think Bertie murphy and breckenmeyer played love interests like four or five times and according to Breckenmeyer, this was the only time they ever kissed on screen. And Aww. it was improvised. Aww. He's like, we were just like really good buddies. We would be cast as like the friends or the love, the main people's like wacky friends who were also each other's love interests. So we never actually like kissed or had romance scenes, but we played boyfriend and girlfriend like a bunch of times. That's crazy. That is so really cute. Sweet. <laughs> it is yeah. And I adorable. love that they were good friends and that he just like kissed her on the forehead as just like a friendly impulse. So cute. Uh, and anyway, this minute is uh, mostly the three girls share Dion and Ty sitting on one side of a round table at the wedding. Everything is super pink, <laughs> <laughs> including Cher and Dion's uh, bridesmaid outfits. And their love interests, Josh, Murray, and Travis, respectively, are on the other side of the table. And the girls are talking about what they want for their weddings, and their wants are very specific. Yeah. So specific. Yeah. I really do love Dion's vision of a sailor wedding or sailor bridesmaid dresses and the little hats. Like, this is a horrible idea, but at the same time, I really want to see it happen. It would be like an amazing bachelorette party yes if you were to go on like a booze cruise or something but you know what i think i actually think that dion and murray could pull it off i could see them having like some swanky cruise ship wedding i mean obviously money is no object for dion's family i think we're supposed to get the impression that she's as wealthy as Cher. yeah it sure seems Uh, Mm -hmm. i think they could have like a really fabulous like just blow it out on the water really crazy wedding i guess it would probably be the like the uh, mid to late to 90s be, right? by then. It would be weird if it was like in a landlocked state and they were all wearing sailor outfits. That would be a weird move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I would love to be invited to that wedding because I've never been to a wedding on a yacht. That sounds incredible. Oh, totally. Yeah. I feel like I'm their wedding planner. I'm getting kind of into it. Uh, I did want to say uh, Ty wants to have like a floral wedding with a whole floral motif and floral garlands. And Dion is like, no, 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 no. But Dion's <laughs> hair is full of flowers when she's saying this i'm like you're kind of undercutting your anti-flower stance it is inexplicable (laughs) yeah it's very bizarre uh but the cutest and most perfect and adorable moment of the scene is when um 
Murray is like, oh my God, they're planning our weddings already. Could you all stop uh, all that to death to us part mumbo jumbo? I'm telling you, man, I'm completely bugging. And then Josh, a.k.a. Paul Rudd, in an improvised line says, I'm bugging myself. (laughs) And it's just so perfect. Oh, Oh, man, could you sound more white? (laughs) I know. I think I know. And he's aware, though. He's aware. That's what makes the joke so good. I think we've established at this point that Paul Rudd is the perfect man in an objective sense. So it make it only makes sense that he could improvise this. It's true. I yes, he's true. a very, very naturally funny and charming and just uh he's a leading man, you know, like he's... I've been saying, star potential. I mean he's a star, so I guess the potential <laughs> has been realized. Potential fulfilled. In, in this movie, I really feel like this is his a star is born moment. And a lot of people kind of discount him in this role because it's a relatively small part in the grand scope of the movie, and he is very much like the straight man in a cast of pretty wacky characters. But I stand by my earlier statements about this like being really the first evidence that he had a career as a leading man, like waiting for him. Yeah, His for the true. taken. Uh, yeah, Miss Stoger runs over and she's so sweet. She's like, girls, she's about to throw the bouquet. Come on. And she seems genuinely excited. And uh, Dion and Ty run off with her, and Josh and Cher press their foreheads together. And because, of the course, they do. It's the cutest thing ever. They have the most giant eyes. They're just staring into each other's giant eyes. And he says, uh, look, we got a pool going to see whose girl gets the bouquet. It's up to $200. And Cher says, it's in the bag. And then the amazing song, Tenderness by General Public, which yeah. Travesty of Travesties is not on the soundtrack. It's not on the official I want to figure this mystery out. Like, I I, want to know why that is. um, I think it's definitely a rights issue, like getting the rights to um, issue it on the album at the time. Because if you'll recall, uh, No Doubt's Just a Girl notably plays the beginning of the film when Cher and Deanna are driving around her Jeep. And uh, it's kind of like one of the most iconic songs in the film. Mm -hmm. And the lyrics perfectly described Cher um, and it's also not on the soundtrack and it was because no doubt had just released their debut album and so their uh, label did not give they gave permission for the song to be used in the movie but not for it to be released on a separate album from mm-hmm. their debut record because this is back when record sales were actually like a thing that mattered you know Aww. <laughs> uh, yeah I, okay yeah that's a different <laughs> it's a different time a different land just can't but the song though you guys we can all agree on the song it goes like Huh? 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 Which is the funnest thing ever. It's pretty fun. It's a delightful song. I'll agree with I'm that. absolutely giddy. Oh, that could be the podcast juice I consumed. <laughs> My shorthand for the can of Red Bull that I drink before recording podcasts. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but it's just a really cute moment. All the girls are jumping around trying to get the bouquet. Uh, and Miss Geis is looking at them like, huh, oh, you guys, like, you're so silly. But she's also really cute. And she throws it. And as it lands amongst them, uh, there's a scuffle. And that actually ends our minute. And next time, producer Darren Hustad will be wrapping up the very tail end of the wedding and into the credits. But I got to say, I feel that the film finishes very strong. I agree with that, yeah. Strong beginning, strong middle, strong end. (laughs) Uh, I I mean, I've probably talked about this before, but even though Clueless may not be like 
Lawrence of Arabia or Citizen Kane or The Godfather or something. It might I think be. it is. A, I think it. <laughs> Catherine, I'm with you, but just let me say what I'm going to say. I think it is a perfect film in the sense that it has a mission that it sets out to accomplish, which is a California teenager modernization of Emma. And it accomplishes that goal perfectly. And it uses like every part of the buffalo. Like there are no stray scenes. There are no stray lines. There's nothing that you could cut. Everything exactly has a purpose and a place in the story so in that sense it's a perfect film no i certainly as like i mean i saw it when i was so young that i wouldn't have recognized how well edited it was at the time but now that i think about the movie there really is no fat here like they cut everything out that they didn't need and it's so succinct and it's so cleverly written and i still can't believe the incredible cast they got for this like it really was perfectly done I agree with you, apparently, more than I realized when I started <laughs> making this statement. Yeah, the more I talk for, about it. Uh, like a modernization of like an Austin novel, I think it's, it's a really, like, it's a great lesson for young women, mm-hmm. right? To like, to be raised oh, with this movie. I think it's a really positive influence on any young woman's life. And like, I think young men too, but... <laughs> <laughs> totally i love that this is a movie where the popular girl is popular because she's nice to people and not because she's mean to people like i think that in itself i mean there are many other reasons why the film is a good influence for girls or why you could even make arguments that it's feminist at times but i just yeah. really like that it doesn't encourage like you have to be nasty and like cut people down with sharp remarks to be cool right because she never- I realize I sound like an old person for saying that. No, not but, at all. You sound you know, like a like, nice person. You know, like bullying sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very rare nice person. <laughs> well, I was frequently bullied. What can I say? Oh, there it is. That's all yeah, it takes. We all yeah, for sure. <laughs> that probably explains a lot of my fondness for this movie. Um, but yeah, it's just, oh, it's just so warm-hearted and earnest. I really love it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yep. Strong Yes this movie there are a lot of austin modernizations but i would actually say this is probably the greatest one of all time in terms of just how seamless it is how it's very true to the heart of emma which is a story about a girl who's meddling in other people's business and other people's relationships and sort of ignoring the problems in her own life but at the same time it's really fresh and creative and i don't feel like they're just um, taking advantage of having like excellent source material and coasting on that. Yeah, I'm uh, putting, by the way, I'm putting Emma on my library hold list so I yes. can actually read it and understand <laughs> yeah, so the, the depths of Clueless that I've never understood before. I mean, the thing is, you're going to be reading it and you're going to know exactly what's going to happen and it's going to feel weird to you. Like, I saw Clueless first and then I read Emmett. When I read Emma, I was like, I'm so Raven because <laughs> it's different enough that you're like, I've never read this before, but then you also can predict everything that's going to happen. And so you're like kind of tricking your brain. You're like, I'm psychic now. <laughs> that was that voice. Last voice was a little bit Keanu, which also works. Uh, I was thinking about the I'm totally bugging and then I'm bugging myself exchange in this Mm -hmm. minute. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about how Clueless made up so much slang. Um, I think because in part because they were making fun of how like teenage slang sounds to outsiders and how 
quickly teenage slang was being kind of invented, but also because it keeps the film sounding fresh, not to have words that get dated because they actually have no real time period. Right. And I was wondering if there were any particular examples that stuck out to you guys and what were your favorite examples of clueless slang, either 90s slang used in the movie or slang made up for well, the movie? I will say, okay, I don't think I mentioned this on an earlier minute, which seems preposterous now. I owned the junior novelization of this book. <gasps> oh my god i'm tell so us jealous. everything tell us everything yes. uh one i lent it to a girl and she never gave it back i will never forgive you Boo. rachel what? that's hard uh, to say <laughs> to call on you out rachel it has, we're looking for you putting her on blast You've on been a podcast uh anyway um <laughs> I, it had a glossary for all the terms they invented in this movie, and I, <laughs> yeah, Amazing. It, it was it was stunning. I'm find this on eBay. I know you. I'm sure you could find it on half. Go do that. Do that right now. Let's stop <laughs> recording. No, I, really though, like I, I love Monet. I think Monet is my favorite. Full on Monet. Mm-hmm. Hagsville slash full on Monet. <laughs> <laughs> if, if Shannon, you if you want to define that, if you want to put it in Christian's words, because I don't know if I uh, remember exactly what. Well, sure. Uh, a full-on Monet is someone who from far away looks fine, but then when you get up close, they're just a big old mess. Which is <laughs> amazing. It's obviously very mean, and I know we were talking about how kind Cher is, but this is immediately after Amber has re- has. I mean, Ty can perceive that this has ruined her romantic chances with Elton. So Amber is never nice. Amber is <laughs> never nice. Yeah. Okay, but they go to yeah. This is true. Such you will have film. already heard about this on a previous minute, I'm sure. Yeah, they went over the full on Monet situation. But I will say the great thing about full on Monet, a way to use it and not be mean, is that you can totally apply it to either a situation or like anything else you're looking at, like actual art. Oh, I need to, I need to vacuum the living room. It's a Flan Monet. Like, from far away, it's fine. Then you get up close and you see all the cat hair. This is a very specific <laughs> example to my life. Uh, but yeah, you can use it for, like, anything. Like, Spider-Man, turn off the dark. Totally a Flan Monet. <laughs> oh. That was a deep cut. <laughs> that was woof. I'm a musical theater person. What can I say? Um, Catherine, do you have any particular examples that you enjoyed? I mean, I guess Christian just has, like, the best slay. that's true (laughs) because for me i think my favorite moment and like i find this genuinely inspiring is when he calls Cher a duchess oh i think i I even mentioned that already like oh my god it's such a good (laughs) next i want it's so cute they are duchess I love their friendship. I was just thinking about how great the terms Betty and Baldwin are because they're so seamless that I didn't even realize they were invented by Clueless until super late in the game. Oh, yeah. Also, I guess, yeah, also Baldwin is meant to be one of the Baldwin brothers, which is hilarious. Absolutely so of its time. I cannot stand it. The thought of anyone (laughs) using the Baldwin brothers is just synonymous for handsome. The 2016 version, that'd be like, oh, he's a total Hemsworth. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. Like Definitely. three super high brothers. <laughs> oh, um, and I am not sure what Betty's in reference to. I'm not sure if it's an Archie thing or if it's... Uh, is it Betty Davis? It, it might be Betty Davis. It might be Betty Grable. Could be. Um, so I did not actually Betty's. have a chance to look this up because I just thought of this question while we were talking about Paul Rudd's adorable... Uh, improvisation it's a very good question and i i like it they're just uh it's just it's all it's all perfect i think that 
Amy Heckerling did a great job writing the concept and maybe doesn't get enough credit for how good she is at dialogue. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a masterclass for sure. All right. I've got a question for you guys. Lay it on me. Okay. Do you guys have other favorite, like, teen film adaptations? Shakespeare, Austin, whatever? Um, oh. I just I just feel like I should jump ahead before anyone else yeah. says it. Ten Things I Hate About You is still one of my favorite movies. Uh, solid yeah. Christy. I just watched it, and because it's from the 90s, there are a few examples of sexism, but I do want to say it's so much less sexist and better than The Taming of the Shrew by William oh, Shakespeare. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I am the biggest Shakespeare fan ever. Like, I have done more Shakespeare than anything else in my acting career. Uh, I went to London, like, pretty much just to study Shakespeare, and I cannot stand The Taming of the Shrew. It is so misogynistic. There's basically a couple of scenes that make no sense unless you play them as written, where the man is, like, hurting the woman. There's really no way to play them, so the words (sighs) don't make sense that way. I saw... A live version once with a frame story by Neil LeBute, who's a world-class misogynist, and he, like, wrote an outer frame for The Taming of the Shrew, and it was, bar none, one of the wor- top five worst pieces of professional theater I've Yikes. ever seen. Sorry, that was a tangent, but I'm so with you on this. Ten Things I Hate About You is such a vast improvement that its little instances of sexism can be forgiven because at least the men aren't, like, hitting the women. Oh, and it just, it has the introduction, like... The introduction of Joseph Gordon-Levitt as love interest rather than child actor yes. is very important yes. to me. That's Yeah, that's a crucial yes. pivot point we all needed. <laughs> I love Heath Ledger, and I think he's gorgeous, and I think he's gorgeous in that movie. But my type is so much more Joseph Gordon-Levitt's oh, character than Heath Ledger's character. Like, I really like the smart, funny, nerdy guys. So, I have- <laughs> anyone who knows me can attest to. Um, so, I definitely... Definitely, yeah, like, always had a little bit of a yen for him in that movie. I had the YA adaptation of that one, too, guys. So, I feel like I'm revealing... You were living large. Uh, Was I? Was I? Yes, you were. I'll I'll, I'll agree to disagree. Yeah. Uh, I actually want to bring up a sort of recent example, and it's not a movie. It's a web series. Uh, the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. I love the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. They are so fabulous. I want to take you guys back to a little year called 2001 when we were all still op- still optimistic because it was early 2001. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to a little film with Cisco and Kirsten Dunst called <gasps> Get Over It. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, Catherine, it's crazy that we're meeting on a podcast because I feel like I've known you my whole life. <laughs> Adapted from Midsummer Night's Dream. Loosely. What this movie? Oh my god, Cisco was in a movie. I did not know it was adapted from Midsummer Night's Dream. I know my plans for like the next three nights. <laughs> it's, oh my god, Get Over It is a very different breed than 10 Things I Hate About You. I want to prepare you with that first, Christy. Yeah, that's fair. It's a super fun watch. It is not 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh no. Quality. No, no. It's, it's not a... It is, classically in quotes good film <laughs> okay I, I would i'm like i don't want to hurt Catherine's feelings but it is like good bad like oh, it's solid a good, gold bad. trash it's yeah 
Yeah, it is the best of the good bad. It's just and when we say it's based on a Midsummer Night's Dream, it's super loosely based on a Midsummer Night's Dream. (laughs) But Martin Short has a bunch of Midsummer Night's Dream themed hallucinations. (laughs) Oh boy! Uh, But yeah, no, and I think Cisco like is supposed to be like the puck character. It's I mean. Yeah, and I, you know what, you know what I really love about Midsummer Night's Dreams is the credits when Cisco um, sings uh, uh, December, I think, or no, September. He sings September. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just it's like an extra. It was before she was famous, which is hilarious now. <laughs> I know. Oh God, it's just it's it's just a crazy bad film. It's just a good bad. Vitamin C is in this. I'm seeing now. We was. Uh, it's just of its times. It's of its time. Sounds great. There's also like some early 2000s heartthrob who plays the Demetrius character and he's British Mm. and like... Oh gosh. It is... Oh God. The more I think about that movie, the more confused I get, not the more clarity I find. I think that character's name is... Why is is it called Get Over It? I mean, that's my first question. (laughs) I I guess it's like if... Okay, it's an adaption of Midsummer Night's Dream. If the point of Midsummer Night's Dream were that Hermia is a bad person who should be with Demetrius, and Helena is actually in love with Lysander, and she talks him out of being in love with Hermia, which is 100% not what happens in a Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> Speaking as a Hermia, hmm. Um, but it's it's a hilarious movie. Yeah. It's um Okay, well, I'm on board. Now that I know <laughs> you guys both think it's a great movie that and even maybe an even like film level. It sounds it's, great. It's classically flawless. Okay, perfect. <laughs> How do you feel about the early 2000s special effects in that movie, Catherine? Oh, I just just great. <laughs> just I love every moment of it. <laughs> they don't make your eyes bleed at all? <laughs> um, I don't know, man. After I it, after the episode one it was all just kind of downhill for me special effects wise oh oh, oh. (laughs) we've really stumbled into a dark dark territory i think we should turn around here i think i think yeah i think this is the point of no return once we get to talking about the star wars prequels we know that (laughs) no more good can come of this it's just like that old saying about how like nothing good happens after two o'clock in the morning (laughs) nothing good happens after the topic of conversation turns to the star wars prequels but that being said it was so wonderful having you uh both here with me this week discuss clueless which is i think we all agree uh uh, just a gold medal movie if i may be topical about it so thank you so much for joining me oh you're very welcome sorry thank you for having us of course no it was fine i was doing like a game show host voice (laughs) i can understand why you were confused uh do you have anything that you'd like to plug one last time yeah Uh, starting with Catherine. okay um yeah, so I am doing, you can always follow me on Twitter at Catherine Isabel, and you can always listen to me goof around on my podcast with my co-host. Um, it's called Encyclopedia Brunch, and uh, you know, it's it's sound art. We'll get there someday. <laughs> I'm really excited to check it out. I think it sounds delightful. How about you, Christy? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Admiral Christy. And you can read some of my older stuff on the toast and some of my newer stuff that is R-I-P-D. making men everywhere sob and ruining Harry Potter <laughs> for them on the Mary yes. Sue. <laughs> I'm so happy. Uh, 
you should all definitely check out an article that Christy wrote for the Mary Sue about how uh, Hillary is the Hermione Granger of politics. <laughs> oh, man! the Hillary Clinton of the wizarding world. I don't, I don't know uh, which way to put it, but either way, it's a perfect analogy. That's incredible. I, I appreciate it's such that. a good article. Uh, it's you guys... making fragile men cry oh. so many salty, salty tears. Guys, my Twitter mentions are just shambolic. It's oh, beautiful. Christy. Oh, Christy. <laughs> I think we talked about Leslie Jones on one of our last episodes this is really all coming full circle yeah unless that got edited out in which case what i'm saying is a mystery to you (laughs) uh as for me you can always find me um on my website shannon-camp that's c-a-m-p-e dot com and uh next week producer darren huston will be back to wrap up as if uh, with the end of the wedding and the credits, which feature some really fun colors, if nothing else. <laughs> Darren has also started a new Arrested Development podcast that goes through episode by episode. It's called I've Made a Huge Mistake. Great name. Uh, it will have dropped episode two the day before our first episode comes out. So it's really just getting started. This is the perfect time for you to climb aboard this podcast train, <laughs> if you will. Uh, all right. And also... Um, the Back to the Future Minute will be coming out this Friday, the same day that this episode drops. So there's just a lot going on in the Darren Husted galaxy of stars, as I call it. <laughs> I am a star in that galaxy because he produces my podcast, Stage of Fools, which won't be back till December. But you can catch up on the first two seasons now on iTunes. All right. That's it for As If. I've been Shannon Camp. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.